to the Future of Field Service podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Nicastro. Today, we're going to be discussing an overlooked aspect of customer engagement. We all know that in field service, the customer experience, customer engagement, customer satisfaction are top of mind for all organizations. One of the ways, though, that you can um, best engage with your customers is through your content. And this is something that can sometimes be overlooked. So today I'm welcoming to the podcast, Linda Formicelli, founder and creative director of Heroes Journey Content. Linda, welcome to the Future of Field Service podcast. Hey, thanks. I'm excited to be here. Thank you. Um, good. So, so Linda is a content expert. Um, she's been been helping clients uh, create um, content that that delivers results for quite some time. And today, she's going to help us talk about how field service organizations should be putting a focus on content as a critical way to engage with customers and prospects. So, Linda, to start, do you want to just tell folks a little bit about your your background and history? Uh, Yeah, sure. I actually started out as a journalist about 22 years ago. And then last year, I started Heroes Journey Content, which is a content agency for complex brands. But we do use a sort of uh, journalism slant to everything because my background was in journalism, writing for a lot of uh, consumer and trade magazines. Mm Mm-hmm. Good. Um, Good. So let's start by talking about why a focus on content marketing is so important for field service organizations. Right. So I know a lot of businesses, especially small businesses, might think, you know, this is something they really don't need to be doing or that it's something for larger businesses or that it's just, you know, not for whatever industry they're working in. But the research shows overwhelmingly that it works, including for field service businesses, including for local businesses. Content marketing gets three times more leads per dollar spent than paid search advertising, meaning you get, I guess, more bang for your buck, you know, more results, less money. Um, 97% of people learn more about a company online than anywhere else. So that's a lot of people. And having Mm -hmm. fresh... And interesting content ensures that these people find you when they are online looking instead of your competitors um, who might not be using content. We need to think, especially for field service businesses, about how people think and how they search online. And you've probably done this yourself. You have an urgent issue, like you have a leak in the wall or your AC went out in the middle of summer. You're going to be looking online for somebody who can fix that problem right away. Mm-hmm. But if you have a non-urgent problem, people tend to search for ways to fix the issue on their own or maybe just learn a little more about it. And if you have helpful content on those topics that draws the people to your site, and then you're the one who will be top of mind when something comes up that they can't DIY. Yeah, for sure. And and what I was going to say is I, I think that... Um... As field service has become more customer centric, you know, if if you broaden the conversation out for just a minute beyond content marketing, I mean, marketing itself is a function that, you mm-hmm. know, maybe the the really large companies had have had for quite some time, but um, not always, you know, and and not all companies have put a focus on you know, how to, um, leverage marketing to, to engage proactively with the customer base. It was just more of an attitude of if something breaks and they need us, they'll, they'll come find us. So, um, you're absolutely right. You know, in the world we live in today, 
providing that value as a means to sort of earn that business and, and begin that engagement is, is super important. That being said, I'm sure the approach differs yeah. for small companies versus large companies. Um, so I'm, I'm curious your thoughts on the different challenges between the two related to the content approach. Right. So I would say in smaller organizations, we're seeing a lot of them, obviously, that don't have a lot of content or haven't started in content. But when they do decide, okay, I, I want to start doing this, the biggest mistake I see is that they want to save money. So they hire writers off of platforms like you probably heard of Fiverr, things like that. Yeah, where people pay just a few bucks and they get a piece of content, but they end up paying for it in other ways. Uh, the best outcome is that the content just isn't really very good. And the worst is that it's plagiarized or rehashed from other websites. So that's, you know, that's a really big mistake I see is just kind of being a little too cost conscious um, with something that's so important. And then larger businesses might have content, which is great. But what I see really often mm -hmm. is that it's all about the company. So they talk about their latest news. They talk about their awards. They, you know, they have their press releases but they're not really dialed into what people really want. Or um, one thing I saw recently is that they have content that has really intriguing topics about common problems and questions their audience has. So you click on it and then you go to read it. And the answer to every single mm -hmm. question and problem is hire us. So it's very self-serving and it doesn't get much in the way of results. You know, people want value. They want uh, service. They want something they can use. And if they read through all this and the answer is hire me, they're right. probably yeah, not going to be That's very a happy. very good point. I mean, there's content for the sake of having content is not all that valuable, right? I mean, content for the sake of delivering value to your oh, yeah. prospective customer base and your customer base is, is what we're talking about, right? So that is a very important distinction. I think that it's... Um, it's a trap a lot of companies fall into for a number of problems. I mean, one is, um, I think it's that natural tendency to, to think if, if we tell them our value, uh, they'll get it and they'll buy, right? Which, which kind of makes sense, but it doesn't, right? You know, it, people aren't necessarily always ready to, to receive that message. Um, but I think that, you know, taking the broader approach, I think the other challenge can be there may not be people within the company that, that really, you know, are, are, are truly understanding of, of what the issues, um, are that their customers are most interested in hearing about. So it, they just kind of naturally focus in on that self-serving message without sometimes even intending to. So it's a really good point. Yeah. And you talked about content just for the sake of content. And that's a big problem where people say, okay, I know I need content. So I have to blog five times a week or the boss wants us to do this. And they're just putting it up there mm -hmm. just so they have stuff without really thinking about what the value is and how it ties into their goals. Yeah. And I, I, I think people, um, especially today, really underestimate the intelligence of the audience. And, and this conversation gets a little tough because mm. we're obviously talking about field service as a horizontal when in reality, you know, the strategy and, and the advice you're providing would of course differ a bit from industry to industry. But I think generally speaking, there's this yeah. sense of 
underestimating the intelligence of the audience. And so, you know, that that's another aspect of people aren't going to engage with, with garbage content. I mean, people, we live in, in too content rich of a world for people to waste time reading content that doesn't have value to them. So the idea of, you know, putting a blog up just to put a blog up is, is not really serving your mission so much as taking the time to do the work you do, which is, is understand what is actually valuable to the audience and, you know, providing them some value as a means to, to earn their engagement and respect and all of that. So. Right. Mm -hmm. Good. So here's a good question. So, so we've agreed it's important to, to consider content marketing as a part of your marketing strategy. How exactly does a company then determine what it is that a customer will find value in hearing and learning about. Hmm. You know, I think a lot of people really overthink it and they want to develop all these customer personas and really dig into it. But I think that, you know, if you don't have a lot of resources and you're just starting out, the easiest thing you can do is just ask. Um, You know, you can talk to your customers on the phone or you can contact them via email and ask what kinds of things they want to know. Or you could create a quick survey using uh, things like SurveyMonkey, these free survey platforms. Mm -hmm. And just, yeah, just, you know, ask is the easiest thing. But beyond that, um, despite what all of the marketing gurus say when you start searching online about content, when you're starting out, you don't want to be spending a lot of time doing all this detailed research anyway, you know, figuring out the customer personas and so on and keyword research to figure out what people want. I mean, anything that gets in the way of actually creating content to me is out at this stage. It's just out. Um, I think also that a lot of field service business owners and managers know what their customers want already. For example, um, if you're a facilities cleaning company, at a high level, your customers probably want to know how to save money and time in cleaning or how to find the best company to work with or red flags to look out for in a cleaning service, things like that. Um, if you're a plumbing company, customers might want to know how to do some simple fixes on their own, maybe what the best appliances are, how to spot small problems before they become really big problems, things like this. I think you intuitively already know that. And you talked about people underestimating the intelligence of the consumer. They probably are also underestimating what they know already about their customers just from being in business. Yeah, that's a good point. It's really just thinking about the knowledge you have and reframing it in terms of what what you can share that will be valuable to to your customer base. But it's a really good point. I mean, you know, most of these, these companies certainly have the building blocks to get started. They just need to be thinking about it in a bit of a different context. Right. And then just, yeah, then just get started. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. What are the important considerations around, um, the formats of content that would work best and the important elements of, of content that people should consider including? Okay. So I think a lot of people don't really think a lot about the format. And by format, we're talking about what form is this content going to be in? Is it going to be a blog post? Is it going to be a white paper? Is it going to be a social media post and so on? So you want to decide um, what type of content you're going to create. And it will differ depending on your audience and your goals and the topic that you're creating content around. 
I think that blogs are an obvious choice that people think of when they think content and they work for a lot of situations. But other things to think about are, for example, um, if you are a B2B field service type of company, then white papers and reports and case studies might work to show how people have benefited from your service and to kind of get more in-depth for that um, business customer. Um, if you have more of a um, consumer customer base, like B2C, uh, there might be social media posts. They count as content too. A lot of people get their news and information from social media. Now, the good news is that one piece of content might be repurposed into all these formats so that you have content that your audience can use in their preferred format. So something might be an ebook or a white paper, and it also might be a blog post, and it also might be a social media post. Mm -hmm. And then um, you asked about the elements of content. And the most important thing I think is that right now, a lot of content out there is very superficial and even a little bit scammy looking. And people have become very weary of fake news and clickbait and all that. Mm -hmm. So the key is to use techniques from old fashioned journalism to make sure your content is relevant and authoritative. So for example, you want to use recent and relevant statistics. You want to link out to authoritative websites. You want to fact check things, proofread things, and just make sure, <clears throat> excuse me, that it looks um, solid and reliable and relevant and authoritative. And one killer tip on all of this that comes from journalism and is a very important element to content is to tie your content into what's into what's happening in the news. So something that's relevant for people right now, for example, uh, we created a blog post and a report and a quiz for a client about tool theft after uh, a spate of service van break-ins hit their area. And that posted very well because it was tied into what people were talking about. That's a good point. It's also another good avenue for people to brainstorm topic ideas, right? I mean, just kind of taking a look at, at the news um, around their industry and, and some of the things that, that people might be dealing with. That's a good point. Yeah, exactly. Looking at social media, seeing what people are talking about, seeing what's in the news that can kind of tie into your industry is all like really good. I mean, that's what I did when I was writing for magazines to pitch ideas that would work. And that's what people are interested in. That's what they want to see in their content. Yeah. So I'm curious, um, we, you mentioned social a couple of times, um, and I think, you know, social itself is something that, you know, some companies have completely dedicated resources for others, uh, obviously don't. Um, but I think it is something that you can sort of just get lost in. Do you have any tips for, you know, how to best use social to maximize the impact of your content? Yeah, I I think we need to think about social as an actual platform for content and not as a place to only promote your content, which a lot of people do. I think they are just posting, hey, we have a new piece of content. Go check it out. And oh, here's a link. Please share it. But you can actually put some of the Guilty. value. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you can, but you can actually put some of the value of your content into those posts. I mean, you can excerpt something, something longer. You can excerpt on LinkedIn, on Twitter. You might have a really compelling quote and then have the link because like I said earlier, a lot of people do get their news and information from social media. They don't want to have to be clicking through to something else. So you do give them that value. And if they want more, then they can click through. Um, 
Also in terms of getting more people looking at your content on social, if you happen to know somebody whose audience would get a lot of value from the content, you know, what we call an influencer, go ahead and reach out to them. But it's really important to stress why their audience or readers would want to see this content and how valuable it will be for them and not just why you want that person to share it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. So, um, you know, you've mentioned a couple of times that it's very, very important to start where you are. So rather than spending a ton of time trying to master the art um, and to to really do significant research on, on topics and all of that, that you really need to focus more on get going and then learn as you go. Can you talk a little bit about why that's so important? Yeah, I, I did a lot of t- online teaching of journalists and writers over the years, teaching courses and doing webinars and so on and coaching. And what I find with any kind of writer or any kind of content producer is that they easily get overwhelmed and then they don't start. So in the case of content, a business might decide, okay, I want to start using it. They go online to learn about it. And suddenly they're inundated with information about SEO and backlinks and personas and calendars, and they just stop. The the most important part of the content is the content. Without the actual piece of content, you don't get the benefits of the SEO and the links and everything else. It's just important to get started and you can learn these things as you go along. So you might not be perfect Mm -hmm. and it's okay. But I like to say that a B minus effort that you put out now is better than an A plus effort that never happens. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, What do you recommend in terms of ensuring that content creation is tied to the company's goals? And what I mean by that would be just a couple off the top of my head would be, you know, you could have a strategy that is centered around new business. So, you know, engaging more prospects, you could have a strategy that's, that's tied to, you know, further endearing your current customer base. Um, you know, so those kind of differing objectives, how do you, you recommend ensuring what you're doing is tied to the goals that you're, you're working to achieve? Right. And we talked a little bit earlier about the problem of creating content for the sake of content is pointless. And if you're short on resources, you definitely don't want to be just throwing stuff out there without having your end goal in mind. So I suggest that businesses just actually think about what goals they have for their content first off. You know, like you said, do you want to get new business? Are you looking to increase loyalty? Um, Are you looking to increase your search engine results? Do you want people on your email list? And then once you know that goal, you can decide on the topics and formats that support that goal. So say you're um, a B2B field service company, you want to increase your thought leadership and you want to be viewed as an expert in your industry. You might think about those longer formats we talked about earlier, like white papers, articles, reports, and all on topics that are relevant for the buyers uh, in your target audience. If you're looking for, uh, you mentioned customer loyalty, that might be about giving them valuable information, as we talked about earlier, of things they can do on their own at home if they're having a problem and they see you as a provider of information you're not only out there to just, you know, get their money and, and, and do things for them, but you are concerned about their well-being and what they want to know. And you're providing them information, which helps, helps increase their loyalty to you. 
Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a good point. Now, how does a company know if it's content strategy is working? That's a really tough question because there's just, there are so many conversations around how do you know you're getting ROI and how do you know that you're meeting what your various goals are? And I think at this stage, when you're first starting, you just need to think about what your goals are and then whatever your goal is, typically there's some sort of free or paid tool that you can use out there for measuring whatever that result is that you're trying to get. So let's say you're looking to increase your organic search traffic. So people who found you by searching for a related keyword in a search engine, you want to come up at the top of those results. If you keep an eye on that, you might notice that that number is going up or that certain types of content result in spikes in traffic. So that's one way of knowing, okay, our content strategy is working towards that goal that we are going after. Or your goal might be to get people to join your email list by offering a downloadable report or ebook or something that they have to fill out a form to get. And again, that's pretty easy to track. You know, how many down, how many people are coming from your content? How many people are downloading that thing? How many people are getting on your list? So when you decide on what your goal is for your content, then you can kind of backtrack and figure out, okay, what numbers do we need to track and how can we track them? Good. That makes sense. So I have, I have another question actually. I mean, so Linda, the, the audience of our podcast is, is typically, you know, leadership within service organizations, not necessarily in marketing. So some of this conversation may be a good opportunity for those folks to share within, you know, a different division of the, of their company. Um, you know, others may be involved in, in that, in that process themselves. But I do know that within our audience, you know, there is some folks within the service community that, they themselves want to, to focus on becoming a thought leader. So as an individual, not just as an organization, just wondering if you have any tips for people that are looking to, you know, build their own voice as, as a thought leader. Right. And are we talking about, so these leaders would be within the company, so they can't probably aren't using the company's platform so much to build their own thought leadership. Right. So one thing that I've seen in that case that works really, really well is uh, using LinkedIn to create your own content, especially those longer thought leadership articles, because a lot of people on LinkedIn kind of represent their company, but LinkedIn is really supposed to be more about you and promoting yourself. Um, And you can promote whatever company that you're working for at the time as well. But it, again, it is really about yourself. So it's a, it's a okay place for you to be posting content that boosts your own thought leadership and that promotes you. And they have a lot of opportunities for that because you can write much longer posts than you can in other social media. And you can also actually write those thought leadership articles. Another way is um, a lot of people write for trade magazines. Mm-hmm on um, a topic that they're an expert in and they get the byline and they get the bio at the bottom. And that's a really great way to boost your, um, your expertise or your. uh... Good. Um, So I know you recently created a resource for field service organizations that kind of outline um, tips and tricks for creating a good content strategy. If you can tell our listeners where they can find that, where they can learn more about what you do at Hero's Journey. 
Sure. So we developed the Quick Start Content Guide for Field Service Businesses, and you can find that at heroesjourneycontent.com. And I say it's H-E-R-O-S journeycontent.com. And go to the blog. It's actually a, a, um, a very thorough blog post, but we also have a downloadable PDF that you can get as well on that. And also on that website, there are um, just other blog posts about content with tips and advice. And uh, just you can download a packet of samples of things we've done and just learn more about us as well and get in contact if you would like to talk to us. I mean, it has to be a really good example of walking the talk, right? You you have to be presenting good content yourself if you, if, the, yep. if that's what you're doing. So <laughs> exactly. that's good. So hopefully... Hopefully people will check it out. Linda, I really appreciate you um, being with us today and sharing your thought leadership uh, with our audience. Yeah, thanks for having me. You can learn more about how to maximize your customer engagement and customer experience by checking out some of our content at www.futureoffieldservice.com. You can also find us on LinkedIn and Twitter at The Future of FS. The Future of Field Service podcast is published in partnership with IFS. You can learn more about IFS service management solutions by visiting www.ifs.com. As always, thanks for listening.